Bankless Nation. Welcome to another State of the Nation episode where we talk about what is happening in the crypto community related to some big picture stuff and drop some insights and action items for you. David, I'm back from vacation, man. Uh, you did a great job. I don't know how many podcasts you streamed or recorded last week, but like, great job, man. I well, since this is happening so early in the show, I'm going to have to throw out a disclaimer because Ryan is on cell data. He has local internet issues where he lives. And so we are working our way through that. Uh, we have tested it out a little bit. Uh, and so we spent some time in Zoom. Usually it's been going well, uh, but he is having some internet issues. But he looks like he's back with us uh, right now. Ryan, you were talking about how good of a job I was doing uh, while, yeah, <laughs> while you were doing a great job. And I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm still trying to get caught up on all the content you guys produced last week. So it's a it's a crazy task. Anyway, State of the Nation comes at you guys every Tuesday. We release it on YouTube live, and then we also release it simultaneously on the podcast. David, what are we talking about today on State of the Nation? We are talking all about PleaserDAO, and PleaserDAO is a really interesting experiment that I think more people should have their eyes on because they have a, a bunch of really smart people with some really cool plans for PleaserDAO. And for those that aren't familiar, PleaserDAO is a DAO that is specifically going after very specific, very targeted, high value internet culture NFTs. And so there's a, a conversation to be had about, you know, and the intersection of DAOs and NFTs and internet culture, and as well as the rest of it, you know, Ethereum and DeFi as well. So there, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, and so we brought on or bringing on uh, Jameis Johnson, who is, uh, I guess, informally uh, titled Chief Pleasing Officer over at Pleaser DAO, <laughs> uh, the benevolent dictator of Pleaser DAO. And he has a, a really cool vision for Pleaser DAO that we want to hear from, hear from him all about that. Uh, and then as well in the second half of the show, go into a conversation of those like, what's being built in the NFT bear market, right? Now that things are kind of quiet, quieting down, we're not getting celebrities just doing random NFTs. Like what's going on behind the scenes? Like we kind of had our first NFT equivalent of DeFi summer, like right after DeFi summer. And so what happens next? What happens in the next like, uh, you know, NFT like mania, NFT like resurgence? Where, what's, what is uh, Jameis seeing behind the scenes? I got some questions for him all about that. Yeah, if you, if you guys know anything about uh, crypto bear markets, of course, in, in sectors like DeFi or any sectors like NFT, now is the time to be paying attention to these sectors when everyone else is not and when they're not mainstream. Now's the, the time to be paying attention, making your purchases, getting invested, uh, making your buys. David, before we get into it all, let's talk about what's new. We just released an ETH bull case mm -hmm. episode on Monday. This is like a, a sequel episode to one we did six months ago. Six mm -hmm. months ago, the price of ETH was 650. Mm -hmm. We had three ETH bulls on and they called for much higher prices across the board. We got those high prices, went all the way above a 4K. Mm -hmm. And now we're back in kind of like um, doldrums, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're above 2K, right. it's phenomenal, right. but it feels like the market has cooled down from, from some of those highs. So it was a great opportunity to bring the bulls on again and to get their takes. What do you want to say about that episode? Yeah, I think we're going to continually do this bull case for Ethereum episode every roughly six months or so because you know the bull case for Ethereum changes roughly every six months. And so this is going to be a reoccurring theme just to keep ourselves updated with the, the general valuation thesis and ideas of Ethereum at large, right? It's a, it's a moving target. And so it's a going to be a consistent uh, piece of content to come out of the bankless sphere every every six months or so. Uh, Eric Connor took his uh, took his leave from from the, the cast and we brought in uh, Cyrus Unessi, who added a great just, uh, you know, alternative perspective that we didn't get the first time. And so um, definitely go listen to that as well. Put that in your to do list to listen to that episode. Speaking of bankless content, David, I heard you got a, you got a new show. You went mm -hmm. renegade while I was out and you, you're yeah. going and launching whole new crypto shows. What's 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 happening? Right. Going going rogue. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we are launching a top signal. We, we announced it literally a week ago today on the last date of the nation, which with my co-host, Michael Wong, who's not going to be the co-host of Top Signal. It's all about comedy. It's all about entertainment. It's uh, it's nothing we say or do or anything on Top Signal will be fact checked. Uh, so everything is a <laughs> in a superposition of the best alpha you've ever heard and a total shit post. Uh, part of my language. Uh, but it's 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 going to be an opportunity to like unwind and relax and actually make and produce some content for you, the listeners, to consume content that feels like a content uh, comfort food, right? Uh, you know, let, let's 
create a different vibe with like crypto podcasts. And so we got some uh, pretty cool get, like bits and gags lined up uh, where there's going to be some drafting going around and some points being allocated. Uh, we got some plans. And so if you are a Bankless DAO member, you get access to the Zoom webinar. And so the Zoom webinar link is in the Bankless DAO Discord channel right now. Uh, and so the Bankless DAO is actually going to be like our audience, right? And we're going to find ways to interact and engage with the audience and pull the audience and make sure that they are a part of the show. And overall, this is an experiment that we're just trying out. Uh, how 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 are we going to make this funny? We don't really know. Uh, that is a part of the show itself. Everything is a little bit of an experiment, but I think this I think this has a, a lot of potential. So I'm pretty excited for it. That is happening. All right, when's it? 6 p.m. tonight at Pacific time, okay. 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Bankless YouTube. And then if you're a DAO member, make sure you go and get your front row tickets uh, by the Zoom webinar link that is in the Discord. Dude, the way you're teeing this up, it feels like it's going to be like late night TV late night comedy or something a late little, night uh, show for crypto. late night talk show a little whose line is it anyways a little of our own little spiffs and spaffs yeah mm -hmm. it's gonna be fun that's gonna be fun i'm gonna be in the audience man i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna be on that show i'm gonna be in the audience like um heckling you or like contributing <laughs> sure. as i can i'm really looking forward to that though okay last thing before we get into the episode ledger and paraswap that is kind of the Marvel team up. I know both of us have ledgers. Everybody in the Bankless community probably has a ledger, but you can now do some really cool stuff with it, David. Mm -hmm. What is Ledger announcing here? Yeah, the cool thing about the, specifically the Ledger Live app, if you have not tried out the Ledger Live app, make sure you go try it because it is a piece of software. Like, especially when newbies come into this space and they're like, all right, I want to go try this DeFi thing. Where do I go? Where's like the DeFi place? Um, Ledger Live is actually the DeFi place. Uh, they are, uh, as DeFi gets built out, more and more apps are going into Ledger Live, the software. And so if you want DeFi all in one spot, check out Ledger Live. They just integrated Paraswap. Paraswap is a DEX aggregator. So now you can swap your tokens, swap your Ethereum tokens through Ledger Live using Paraswap. When Paraswap does all the hard work for you, it gets you the best rates, gets you the best quotes, uh, and it's all accessible through the Ledger Live app. So check that out. There's a link in the show notes uh, if you want to go and try that out. New way to use your Ledger. And of course, Ledger is bankless technology, which we really like and support around here. All right, David, I'm going to start with the question I ask every single state of the nation, which is what is the state of the nation today, sir? The state of the nation is pleased. We are pleased <laughs> this week. We're talking to I'm Pleaser pleased. Dow. And so I'm pretty pleased that we're talking to Pleaser Dow. Uh, disclaimer, I'm a part of Pleaser Dow. And so there's my disclaimer there. Um, but also we're pleased that ETH is back above 2K. And I, I wrote in the Market Monday this week that the window of opportunity for ETH really just like falling through this like 2K floor and really going down to previous all-time highs, which is what the bears were calling for. I think that window is closing. And I'm pleased that that window is closing. Uh, and then also, Ryan, I'm also so pleased to have my co-host back. Uh, I missed you hey, last man. week. You know, it was great. It was great. It was great to have some time away from crypto charts. I only, I probably only checked prices like once a day, mm -hmm. which is like a um, record low. I don't know, ninety-nine percent reduction <laughs> in price checking for me. Um, and and I didn't, you know, check uh, socials either. So it was nice to be back. It was nice to be away, but it's also nice to be back. I'm feeling refreshed. I'm excited to dig back in with you here, David. Uh, so I'm pleased to be back as well. Um, so we should take a break for sponsors, and then we will be back with Jameis Johnson, who is the chief pleasing officer of PleaserDAO to dig into this story. Balancer is DeFi's most powerful automated market maker. Typical AMMs just have two tokens inside of one liquidity pool, which can lead to fractured liquidity across the many pairs in DeFi. With Balancer, you can access the full power of multiple tokens inside of one single AMM, which unlocks an entirely new playing field of possibility. This makes Balancer an awesome building block for so many different use cases. Balancer pools can make asset indexes, but instead of paying fees to portfolio managers, Balancer lets you collect fees from traders who use your portfolio for liquidity. Additionally, Balancer smart pools can be programmed to have properties that change according to predetermined rules, such as changing the swap fee based on market conditions, or even liquidity bootstrapping pools, which can help you launch and distribute your token with day one liquidity. At Bankless, we used a liquidity bootstrapping pool to sell our BAP t-shirts to much success. Balancer V2 brings powerful new features that makes your money work even harder for you. In V2, idle tokens are capable of generating yield in DeFi without sacrificing liquidity in the pool. To top things off, Balancer is reimbursing gas costs with BAL rewards, meaning that your gas fees are reimbursed up to the cost of the transaction with the Balancer governance token. Balancer's mission is to become the primary source of liquidity in DeFi by providing the most flexible and powerful platform for asset management and decentralized exchange. Dive into the Balancer pools at pools.balancer.exchange today. 
Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum, and just recently released Aave version 2, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi, Money Legos, Yield, and Composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you, all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. All right, guys, we are here with Jameis Johnson. Like we said, the chief pleasing officer over at PleaserDAO, who's really uh, the guy, I think, with the motivation and the vision to really take PleaserDAO to the next level. We're going to get into all of those details. Uh, Jameis Johnson, uh, took his, uh, apparently, uh, took his student loan money and invested in the uh, Ethereum uh, ICO. And so- uh, What? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and then also correlated to that, also has a DGEN score of, a DeFi DGEN score of 20. Uh, so a, a true ape of his kind and a, a true member of the Bankless Nation, Jameis. Happy to have you on to talk all about PleaserDAO NFTs and, and the, the whole gamut of conversations. Thank you, thank you. That uh, student loan money, I I still have an email that I sent to all my friends and family that says, this will change everything after I read the uh, Ethereum white paper. And of course, none of them listened to me, but I cite that email every once in a while. Oh my God, dude. Did you pay that student loan back, by the way? Or is that still outstanding? Uh, not, it's still a little bit outstanding. And <laughs> the interest rate on that compared to <laughs> DeFi gains, you know, you got to balance the two. Yeah, that's right. It, debt is cheap these days compared to the gains you can win being a DeFi exactly. DGen. So yeah, James, let's go yeah. into a little bit more of those details before we get to the story of, of PleaserDAO and perhaps just a little bit more about your background. <laughs> what about crypto really gets you excited? Are you like an NFT guy? Are you a DeFi bro? Are you a little mix of everything? Like what, what do you pay attention to in this space? I mean, I, and I apologize. Uh, early on that I am a little bit sick. So if I cough, I'm sorry. But um, kind of my beginnings were just a fantastical realm of ideas that could be built on top of Ethereum. Um, that kind of moved into retirement around the end of 2017, as I felt like there was a lot of vapor underneath this whole ICO craze, um, which was great to kind of remove myself. But, you know, when I saw Compound for the first time, in 2019, it was another one of those aha moments that these systems are being built out and you can actually use them. Uh, and that was just kind of the beginning of leading into DeFi summer. Mm -hmm. um, all of these financial constructs that are being sucked into the Ethereum network just really could not be more exciting. Um, and I think that, you know, the next big movement that we're seeing play out is the whole category of non-fungibles. Uh, you have fungibles and you have non-fungibles, and there's a universe within both that you can explore. And I think we're just barely beginning to tap that. So, so I, I, I want to get this straight, actually, so Damus, because this is a super interesting story. So you were there during the initial Ethereum ICO, right? And you made a big yeah. bet on that, like a really big bet. But then it sounded like you got jaded in 2017, at the end of 2017, with all of sort of the futility tokens, ICOs. But then you kind of came back for De DeFi and NFTs. Am I getting that story right? And I guess I'm curious with this sort of a through line, if, if that story in, indeed is right. What did you see in the original Ethereum ICO that um, made you think this was going to change everything? And then how is it like the same or different uh, now than what you expected? Well, yeah, when I was, a, I was working as a programmer, around 2012 and we would have these water cooler conversations about Bitcoin. And I was like, I'll throw a thousand dollars in. And of course I was too lazy. And I watched as that $1,000 would have turned into a million dollars. And I basically beat myself up about that. Uh, and then when I went to do my master's here in New York, you know, I was like, this technology is not going away. It's also very funny. I thought I missed Bitcoin, but you know, the whole paradigm shift for me when I read the Ethereum white paper, which was posted just as a comment in I think a Bitcoin subreddit back when the subreddits were still palatable. Um, it was basically just, you know, I was in computer networking courses and I had been learning about, you know, IP, uh, HTTP, TCP, UDP, and the standards of like information transfer and how the entire internet worked and how these protocols 
you know, are stacked on top of one another. Um, and then it just kind of like, I read this white paper and it was like, this is the value transfer um, trust layer, computational layer protocol. It will allow us to just use Turing complete languages to program any construct of trust and value. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and then, you know, going forward, I mean, it was years until... We got to 2017, I was mining. I was doing a lot of machine learning, a lot of generative art, uh, a lot of NLP and a lot of computer vision. And then, you know, just that slow tug of crypto pulling you in. Um, 2017, I was kind of moon landing as an investor. And I think towards the end, it just got so scammy and so like post a white paper with a team and that's all you have to do to raise $4 billion, you know? Um, You had your EOSs and Ripples and IOTAs and... uh, but there wasn't, you know, that Vitalik tweet, have we earned it yet? And I think I just got so overwhelmed with the amount of stuff I had to sift through even to find the, the gold nuggets and, you know, the diamond in the rough. And it was almost just like a natural retirement. It was like, I was just overwhelmed. And I was like, I'll just, I'll just turn these hands into diamonds, let it ride. I know, <laughs> I know the future of Ethereum is strong. Um, and that took a lot of mental capacity to watch it ride down 95%. But I was, you know, I was strong enough in my belief that this was the future. Um, I do not at all think we're in a 2017 bubble situation. There's just too much utility undergirding the system. Um, And I think that like largely when it comes to NFTs, there's kind of a reflection of the 2017 bubble, but you know, ultimately it feels like these adoption cycles compress over Mm -hmm. time. Um, Very similarly to like any technology, um, you know, vacuum tubes going into transistors and Moore's law and the rate of internet speed and nodes on the internet. Um, And I think that NFTs could likely be in a state where Yes, there may be a long tail, 99% of NFTs that are ultimately going to burn individuals, but there is just, there's too much capacity in the network with DeFi and with uh, these platforms that we're seeing that have products that people are actively using. And there's too much dispersion of the infrastructural tools like MetaMask and even centralized tooling uh, and interest from big names that are Web 2.0. That I just don't see it going as the route of the 2017 bubble. Um, And that was a lot of information there that we can cover. But uh, that's kind of my take on it right now. And I think that what you just said about how there's just so much infrastructure and so much else going on is really the a, a through line to talk about Pleaser DAO, right? Uh, and a, even though they are already totally different, uh, ICOs and NFTs, uh, they could still go through a hype bubble and bust. And then, you know, NFTs are, are real. They will they will make their, their, themselves, um, you know, they will pick up the scraps. But... There's, what's really cool about the NFT world right now is it's also being coupled by the DAO world and the DeFi world where like ICOs had to like exist under their own weight and they couldn't bear that weight and so they crumbled. NFTs also have like alliances with the concepts of DAOs, with the concepts of DeFi, with and just overall a more mature ecosystem. And I think the the Pleaser DAO is really at the head of that, right? Not only is Pleaser DAO specifically a DAO going after NFTs, but it is also a DAO, right? It's not just NFTs. It's also got this supporting infrastructure. Um, so let's get into the conversation of, of Pleaser DAO. So Jameis, you were there from, from the beginning uh, and uh, people that have been paying attention probably know the story because we reported on it on Bankless, did a little uh, interview with uh, Leighton Cusack, who uh, he threw up this tweet about when he realized that he wanted to purchase the Uniswap V3 X times Y equals K NFT and then quickly realized that he was going to be like immediately out of his budget. So Leighton Cusack threw out this tweet. It's like, hey, who wants to pool our money together to buy this really awesome Uniswap NFT? That was the formation of PleaserDAO. But PleaserDAO has come a long way from just a group of people in a Telegram group uh, pooling their money to buy this Uniswap NFT. So maybe you could pick up where that story left off left off, and, and lead us down the progression of PleaserDAO and, and what PleaserDAO has done since the, it purchased the Uniswap, uh, Uniswap NFT. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's just go through the story. It was a very special moment in time. Um, basically, I had been following, I had turned notifications on for Leighton Cusack's uh, tweets because I oh, was the highest Unis- honor you could give someone on Twitter. I, yeah, well, I was a, uh, I mean, I still am a Unisox holder. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned that if Unisox crossed 100,000, that he was going to have a, um, a dinner for anyone who had one or more Unisox. And I was like, 
you know, I'm going to that dinner. And, uh, and we can get in later to like what that means, you know, how mm -hmm. the, the world is changing, where your on-chain history is kind of becoming the defining characteristic of your digital identity. But um, I turn on tweet notifications. I get, you know, I knew what people pleasers are very intimately because anyone who was around during DeFi summer knows that she was kind of a seminal artist of that entire special moment. And, and I had actually kind of been in contact with her earlier uh, during the Zai protocol debacle. That was, that was a fun one. But um, yeah, so I get this tweet and it just says, who wants to form a DAO to buy people pleasers piece? And I had already known that the piece was being auctioned. So I immediately just said, I'm in um, through just being a DGen in, in Discord and all over Twitter. I had become very close with Blue Kirby and with Andy 8052. And so the next tweet, I just like pinged them and said, you know, let's do this. Uh, that evolved into a Twitter DM chat uh, where, where Kirby uh, refused to move forward until I did something hilarious on video. And then we uh, we just kind of had a casual chat for about four hours. And then finally I was like, all right, let's just set up a Telegram group and just start pinging everyone we know. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was just a surreal moment to, uh, you know, I had met Mariano Conti at DevCon. So I reached out to him. I reached out to Alex Stanovic because I was going to at one point do some machine learning work for him. Uh, everyone just continually started reaching out and it was just so surreal to see this telegram group be like, you know, Santiago has joined, Tarun has joined, um, Popcorn Kirby, you know, Daryl Lau, G Money. It was just like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. um, it was a Friday night. We were all kind of out. And I was, I had this big dinner planned and, you know, trying to coordinate this and all of a sudden starting the bidding process and Andrew King drops a hundred ETH bid and we're like, get him in here. <laughs> So we, yeah. We so you're you're in DM. the bidding process for the Uniswap V3 NFT. You're, you're collecting all these like big names, heavy hitters in the DeFi community to all pool their funds. And then Andrew Kang bids on the NFT under his own weight, right? And so he's exactly. bidding against the DAO. Uh, and then, like you said, you said, get him in here. So how did you guys reach out to Andrew Kang? Someone in the group knew him. Um, I'm not sure who ended up ended up getting them. Every time we do an auction, it's just chaos, it's mm -hmm. pure unadulterated chaos in the mm -hmm. chat. Uh, someone grabbed him and he decided to, you know, join the DAO. And so this, and is, this is a, a really cool story about DAOs at large is that instead right. of DAOs being competitive, the, the, the Pleaser DAO being competitive with Andrew Kang, they're like, Andrew, just come join the DAO and be aligned with us instead. Like pull your money with us right. rather than competing for us. And I had sort of this, come to Jesus moment that night where it was like, you know, the future of art collecting and even, you know, investment clubs is absolutely going to be DAOs. Um, you know, guppies will form a larger entity to compete with whales. Mm -hmm. And and in the end, it was like these DAOs are going to roll into their own cultural identities that kind of permeate across all these different platforms and uh, protocols with like capital organization. And instead of just being an individual roaming around Web3, you'll likely become, you know, a member of or a subscriber of an ethos and a participant within a larger organization. Um, and, you know, DAOs have been along, around for a long time, but these like private DAOs have struggled to really take off. And I think... Um, we're really seeing a, a very compatible merging of, of art collecting and cultural curation and even like investing, angel investing. The, those concepts I think are being married very seamlessly with DAOs. And, uh, you know, we're very rapidly seeing these NFT platforms in particular, but also Web3 blogging platforms like Mir um, and like uh, portfolio display platforms like gallery.so really quickly understanding and deploying features to embrace DAOs. I think DAOs will be a first-class citizen. Um, you know, in web 2.0, you have your cultural identity that's that's inside of a walled garden like Instagram, but ultimately we're going to have more of an amorphous, fluid um, identity. And I think DAOs will, you know, it's kind of like the word e-commerce. Eventually you're gonna have that, that moment where DAOs are just a known word or, or maybe you don't even have to have the word DAO. Um, but yeah, I mean, you saw Party Party DAO came out and basically just re-engineered the process that we did with uh, X times Y equals K. So now there are even decentralized tools where you can just say, 
I do want to be, I do want to bid on this piece. Automagically forms a collective, distributes tokens to all the people that participated. And, you know, the future is absolutely collective organization. So we finish up with uh, talking about Pleaser DAO purchasing the X times Y equals K, but immediately Pleaser DAO kind of became something even bigger than that. It started off as just trying to purchase the, the GIF, but then it turned into something more. Uh, was there like a moment where Pleaser DAO went from just like a like a single purpose DAO of owning this one uh, NFT GIF to something grander? Was there like an inflection point, or like what was what was the the transition between like hey now that we have this this uh, uh, NFT, what do we do next? Who asked the first question like what now? Yeah, I mean those first few weeks were pretty fun. Um, just a bubbling of a lot of ideas. Um, and we were very much all, all over the place, but like, you know, I wasn't even sure, it wasn't even like known that we were going to continue this journey. Uh, largely, we could have just stayed in the realm of holding this piece and doing something fun with it or selling it or, you know, just kind of being the owners of it. Um, there was a, as we were moving forward, you know, people realized that we need hierarchy, uh, at least a leader. And I, I offered because my full-time job was DGen lifestyle. Um, and basically, uh, I don't think I entirely knew how much responsibility that was going to, to entail. But uh, I think the real, the real shift came, I mean, I was drafting vision documents and I was drafting, you know, trying to harness energy of different ideas and, and focus on a certain path. Uh, but ultimately, I think it came when Snowden happened. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a moment that we knew that we were on the map. Uh, that is a very fun story too, uh, which has not been public if people want to hear that. Yeah, no, um, let, let's, let's hear the quick story about how you got this Snowden NFT. Well, I can't remember who dropped it in the chat. It may have been Alex Vanovic. Um, you know, there were other NFTs that we rejected Mm -hmm. uh, going after, but people were excited about, but we still didn't really know what our ethos was. And someone dropped the Snowden NFT and it was basically like, yeah, we all want that one. Uh, we didn't really have a clear path forward. We thought, hey, let's raise some money. Um, in the meantime, after X times Y equals K, we were able to do like a fork of compound contracts, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and we created our own token called Peeps and we distributed pro rata a portion of those tokens to the people who contributed money to the first auction, which by the way, the first auction we didn't, we had to just give someone, uh, I think it was Leighton, we sent him all of our ether to be the bidding individual because it was too early for DAOs to even connect to mm -hmm. these systems and bid. But ultimately we moved to a multi-sig. You know, we, we put the NFT assets into that multi-sig. We have a token underlying the ownership of those assets. We have remaining ether. Uh, we're going to have more protocol network tokens and fractionals in that multi-sig. But we were lucky enough to have Mario Conti uh, to kind of just lead the construction of that mm -hmm. governance token. And so we essentially, it was about 12 hours before the uh, the auction end of Snowden. And I get a, I'm get in bed and I get a DM from People Pleaser and she's like, are we getting this Snowden piece or what? And it was one of those, you know, those late night moments that are so familiar, familiar to all of us where you're like, oh shit, let's go. So I just get out of bed in my robe and just, we have a lot of members in uh, Singapore and Taiwan. And so I'm just communicating with the, the Asian members and basically saying, look, we're going to raise money to buy this. Um, and I think a lot of power of DAOs and, you know, I mean, the biggest power of DAOs and multisigs is like capital efficiency and the ability for capital to move at the speed of information. And I basically stayed up all night. Um, we gave ourselves evaluation. We started distributing peeps tokens to individuals and there was a giga whale competing against us. And you can, you know, these are like early days where we're figuring out strategy for bidding and he can see how much money we have on, on the blockchain. We can see how much he has and it's clearly getting close to our exact desired price. And a famous unnamed individual who had decided not to participate in the round, um, gave us basically terms of a last minute deal, um, which we all voted no on. And it was a very good offer. Um, it was basically a 0% extremely large loan uh, for something in return for basically Peeps membership. And everyone voted no. And just like literally four minutes left before the auction is over and we've lost. And our chat is basically like, it's just auctions are so stressful and so adrenaline filled. And our chat is just kind of like, feeling defeated. And one of our members, 
um, just said, you can have half my peeps. I don't care. And then another member was like, you can have half my peeps. I don't care. And he's like, all right, let's go. And he beams in uh, a large sum of money into our DAO with four minutes left on the clock. Meanwhile, we cannot connect to the auction house through the multisig. And Mariona Conti has to write a custom, you know, function call that then has to be verified by three of the five multisig holders. We are all trying as fast as possible to, uh, you know, execute that transaction. I just throw gas up to 500. And uh, we thought we lost it. We got one last bid in with like, uh, you know, five seconds left. And that was the final bid. And we were able to take it down. And that's a story that no one knows yet. So it's a little bit of an insight into wow. the chaos. That well, is. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. These things are like very... Um organic, uh, chaotic organizations at this stage. Um, like every DAO that has some sort of traction I found is, has been like that. Um, I'm curious about this piece though, Jameis, like why is it so important? So uh, also describe for people who aren't familiar with this story, like what it is, what makes it special? Did Edward Snowden have some sort of role to play in this? Did he sign it? Did he, um, you know, are his private keys on it in, in any way? What's what's the significance of this? And why did Pleaser Dow think it was so important in the first place? I mean, I think that a lot of us, because we've been in, uh, you know, computer programming and, and, and uh, the world of the internet for a long period of time, we're very familiar with the importance of what Edward Snowden did as the whistleblower. I basically blew the story wide open of, of you know, what the NSA was doing worldwide, as well as on its citizens' um, you know, inside of the United States of America. And so it just, it felt like an iconic piece from someone who is absolutely a historical figure. Um, you know, art is controversial and, you know, Snowden is largely still a very controversial figure. Um, and the piece itself has the text of a landmark court decision that ruled that the National Security Agency's mass surveillance program uh, violated, the, violated the law. And that all came from Edward Snowden's decision to leave the country and his family and friends and, you know, uh, in a way, sacrifice his life to inform the public of what was happening, uh, you know, beneath her nose. And um, on top of that, we are we are huge fans of donating to charities. Um, this was for the Freedom of the Press Foundation, and we doubled their annual budget overnight, which is pretty exciting for us. And that's also um, a part of the uh, X times Y equals K Uniswap uh, story that we also miss is that all of the revenue for the Uniswap NFT also went to to charitable donations. And so not only are these two piece, pieces of internet history, but all of the revenue from both sales went to charity. Um, right. I mean, yeah, so X times Y equals K as well as uh, Apes Together Strong went to mm -hmm. against uh, Asian and Pacific Islander hate. Um, the Tor piece went to the Tor Foundation, and the Doge piece went to a lot of children's rights uh, foundations in Japan, as well as the Red Cross uh, World Food Program. And we, I don't think we limit ourselves to charitable mm -hmm. um, auctions. We do want to, you know, we're not going to be a nonprofit. We will be monetizing these assets. Um, but there's nothing that makes you feel better than being able to give back. So when, how would you describe the desirable NFT for the, for please or doubt? Like what is the perfect NFT? Uh, does charitable donation like tick a box, but it's not a required box. And like, why did you pick Doge? Why did you pick like the, the Tor browser NFT? Like what, what's the, what's the theme of the gallery, the art gallery that the Pleaser DAO is trying to produce? Um, and is, is, that even, is, that, is that even a concrete like conversation that you guys had? Or is it just kind of like a rough consensus kind of thing? There is always uh, conversations about isolating that vision, but we're also willing to broaden our horizons at all times. There is an element of just consensus like this group formed around one ideal and so we ultimately do share a lot of uh overlap in in like um what we desire right and and these things play out in real time in the chat we do try to find guiding lights and getting guiding principles i think muni muni who's a member said it best um you know we want to be the museum of internet culture mm -hmm. there are a lot of important moments in internet history uh you know, people pleaser defined DeFi summer. Uh, Snowden defined, you know, he's he's the whistleblower of the ultimate surveillance program on the internet. Internet Tor is the definitive um, privacy 
protocol. And Doge is the, in our opinion, the top dog internet meme of all time. Um, and so I think that is right now, I think that's our guiding principle, but we're not limiting ourselves to being too serious. Uh, I think the acquisition of Doge really kind of defined our, that we're not just going to stick with, uh, you know, being a museum, we also want to be um, broader media, mm-hmm. um, cultural, culturally identifiable organization. Interestingly, um, the, the uh, bidding war for the Doge piece itself was its own meme because everyone kept on bidding meme numbers. Uh, 1337, 69 ETH, 0.6969, 420. It, it was, it, the fact that the bidding war also invoked meme culture was something something in of itself I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, we were we had DMs of, um, I think it was Zora reach out to us and say, hey, could you stop doing like 20 decimal places because <laughs> if that if that bid goes through it's it's it could they have to like split it uh in smart contracts to various people and they're like oh, we don't know if there's gonna be a floating point bug or something like uh <laughs> calm down with <laughs> Jameis, i was um I, i've been kind of stuck on this phrase you know in in american culture like the term rugged individualism is is thrown about often right as kind of a virtue and I, I think that that sort of applies to crypto, but there's another term that I think also applies to these DAOs, which is, you know, uh, rugged cooperation, rugged coordination. And what I really see here is um, this ability to coordinate a pool of capital and go accomplish a mission um, is kind of the genesis of of what DAOs are and what Ethereum can can do and and, and create. And like. For people who aren't familiar with this world as as you are, and like you, you had terms like multi-sigs, you're purchasing a digital NFT, you're, you're bidding, you're talking to like these pseudo-anonymous characters, like people named Blue Kirby and, you know, Tetra Node, you're, you're dealing with millions of dollars in, in capital with a multi-sig. I'm, in my mind, I'm trying to like think of what this would take if you were to kind of coordinate, do this rugged coordination in the legacy world. Like, how would you even do this? So yeah. I'm just thinking in my head, like, okay, I want to go bid on an, a Banksy piece, an art piece or something. Like, how would I set this up? I'm trying to coordinate capital with all of these individuals across the world. Do I go and create an LLC, a C-Corp? What kind of like legal retainers are going to be involved? How do I get participation from, you know, internet pseudonymous characters and people from Singapore and you know Hong Kong and the U.S. and like and then how do I structure a bank account for all of this and like how do I pay for it? And the, the, the cool thing about this is DeFi and Ethereum and NFTs and DAOs. These are the primitives that give you all of that coordination capability right out of the box, and it's like magic. Have you ever thought to yourself what this would take to do in the legacy world, or even if it's even achievable? Very much so. Um... I might as well show that I have a uh, fund that I am doing with two partners. Uh, if you want to follow us on Insta- on uh, Twitter, it's underscore perceptive, perceptive capital. And I got to tell you, I'm thankful that I'm working with some ex-Goldman guys because just getting banks and auditors and all of the paper meat space uh, things aligned are just, you know, taxes and accounting. And I have to go contact my bank later today. And I guarantee that's going to take three to seven days. Um, I don't know when the last time was that you walked into a bank, but it is a nightmare for sending a wire transfer. And uh, yeah, it's been like a revolution of the mind for me. I think that like a lot of people focus on governance of DAOs, which like, you know, those tools are very important. And there's like a whole spectrum of decentralization where, uh, you know, as we get larger and larger, we're going to go from, you know, less off-chain governance polls and multi-sig trust to ideally kind of a representational government on-chain um, that can that can make sure that it's fully decentralized. Um, but, but in my mind, like, as we slowly reverse engineer these corporate firm structures of DAO, inside DAOs and these democratic ideals that we've been building for hundreds of years to DAOs, you know, that will take time and there will be progressive decentralization. But what is the best part is the capital coordination. Like, it is outrageous. Like, uh, even, you know, we're participating with the universe and Mariano Conti just writes a... Um, 
writes a custom smart contract interaction. Now we're staked there. Uh, we've got protocol network tokens. We've got NFTs. We'll have fractionals. We have an Ether treasury. We can use the available DeFi protocols to maintain our treasury. And we have and we haven't announced yet, but we did successfully raise a round. And even you know VCs are becoming extraordinarily comfortable with sending. USDC into a multi-sig. They they are especially comfortable with full-on chain governance, but um, I, I just find that ridiculous because in the traditional system, it's like the amount of overhead required for all of these operations is just tremendous. And now we have the tools for anyone with an internet connection to have access to capital. And importantly, you guys wouldn't have gotten the Edward Snowden NFT without the properties of capital coordination that Ethereum can really give you. You guys wouldn't have wouldn't have uh, beat the buzzer on that one. Jameis, I know, I, I know People Pleaser, or uh, People Pleaser, Pleaser DAO uh, has some interesting mechanisms to build on top of exactly what you're talking about. So like the, the, the DAO can become even more orchestrated, even more formal. Uh, I know you got some, some plans and some visions for PleaserDAO. I want to get to those conversations as well as ask you just overall what's going around with the NFT world at large, the, the platforms that are innovating during this quote-unquote NFT bear market. So I'm going to ask you those questions right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their Earn program, where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi, or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. All right, Bankless Nation, we are back with Jameis Johnson of Pleaser Dow. And Pleaser Dow has some plans uh, and we want to hear about them. Uh, and so Mechanism Capital recently invested in Pleaser Dow. And Jameis, you and I have been talking about some, some uh, concepts or ideas that I know you've been thinking about to kind of take Pleaser Dow to the next level. Uh, so, so tell us what's in store for, for Pleaser Dow and, and maybe use this as like a model for just overall the growth of Dow's infrastructure and the growth of the uh, maturity of the NFT. Ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are not many DAOs, uh, art collector DAOs, private investment DAOs, smaller DAOs have bridged this gap from 50 members to worldwide available membership. Um, we very much so look forward to getting everyone access to becoming an investor in our ethos and our 
principles and our underlying assets. And uh, I think that, you know, first and foremost, our membership is DeFi native. We are looking at a lot of various interesting protocols and uh, DeFi technologies that we can use to kind of bring our pieces back to the people. That's one of our driving principles is we want these pieces to be accessible to everyone. Um, hold out, you know, the, the traditional art world, oftentimes you find that famous pieces end up in vaults and they're purely a um, investment play. While these are definitely investment plays for us, we want to open up access to anyone who wants to become a member or just hold keeps tokens that represent ownership. There are specific plans um, to get those tokens in the hands of, of people. I will say that, you know, we are looking at airdrop mechanisms. Um, I think that we're very interested in people who are in the NFT space, as well as people who are charitable. Hint, hint, the Alchemix hack. Um, I think that like, there's a lot of on-chain activity that kind of proves who you are as an individual that we can leverage. There are other mechanisms that we're exploring, like uh, we are exploring all of the classic yield farming, liquidity mining techniques. Mm -hmm. um, one of our members is releasing a fractionalization protocol. And I don't want to say too much, but if you are interested in working with us, um, we're trying to create a community. I would DM either myself or please or doubt Twitter. Uh, you can just DM the words Doge. And we will start to, uh, once that's solidified, we would love to bring you into a little select group community where we can all work together. Um, my Twitter is underscore Jamis, J-A-M-I-I-S. And the Pleaser Dow Twitter is Pleaser Dow. So definitely DM us, uh, just DM us Doge. And uh, probably in a week or two, we can start building a community around our plans there. So we're all extremely excited. I'm like, so I'm, I'm curious here, right? So like Mechanism uh, Capital, this is a... Um... VC firm, right? Uh, DeFi, crypto native VC firm. I'm curious about their investment thesis here. Um, and um, I, I, I think they, they said it and I'm reading a post here. Uh, why did they invest in Pleaser DAO is kind of the you know, question I have, right? And they said it's like investing in an art fund run by professional curators and art funds, funds traditionally have outperformed the S&P over the last 25 years. But they also say they are investing in the DAO brain power and the DAO community, like this is sort of a, like a play a in both. Play. Yeah, it's a talent play. It's a curation play. It's an NFT play all combined, but there's definitely like a, um, an investment thesis here. It feels like for somebody like, like mechanism, um, you know, capital, I, I'm just curious your, your general thoughts on, on that is just how, how does somebody invest in the NFT space, and like, how does somebody even invest in uh, a DAO like Pleaser DAO? How should they think about these types of investments? Are they buying a community? Are they buying a set of assets? Do they not really know what they're buying? They're just buying future potential. What What are your thoughts there? Well, I think Redphone Crypto, who's a member, had a really nice tweet, and I cannot remember it exactly, but it basically it was along the lines of, you know, we rebuilt um, finance and value and now we're rebuilding culture and yeah basically culture um you know suzu talks a lot about the value at the bull case for ethereum is just one point is how do you value all of culture we uh, we don't know the answer to that i mean you're seeing a lot of the big dogs come on I, you know i've talked to people in back channels that these big web 2.0 companies are actively uh, looking to integrate nfts um you know, TikTok is definitely going to be integrating NFTs. I think OnlyFans is as well. Um, I think that there is a huge just media and culture and fine art play here that is just at its inception point right now. Um, also, Jesse Walden from Variant talks a lot about investment clubs. And, you know, if you take the capital coordination mechanisms of DAOs and play it out to its logical extreme, they're going to ultimately challenge these venture capital firms to an extreme degree. I mean, you're going to have 18-year-old kids uh, forming collectives that do a better job than, than venture capitalists in their high tower. Um, and we're just at day zero of this. I think that as these capital coordination mechanisms really start to shine, and especially L2 comes online, you know, you won't need that much capital for gas fees, and people will be able to coordinate to an extreme degree. I think that Pleaser... You know, we had a special inception moment, a special birth, where we ha just so happened to get the biggest NFT influencers, the biggest DeFi natives, um, the, 
the biggest brains in the industry. And so I think the investment play is basically that we will have good taste <laughs> or we will, you know, we, we will be able to also leverage all of these bleeding edge technologies. Um, you know, we've worked with literally five engineering teams to try to help them produce features, whether those are social or multi-sig connective or um, whatever to kind of push forward the industry as a whole. And uh, yeah, I think that the future of Ethereum will shine with culture. Yeah. So what's super interesting. So David and I have a, we're doing a podcast recording with a guy by the name of uh, Luke Burgess. He wrote a book called um, Wanting. And it's a book about what he calls mimetic desire, which is like the thing he says underpins everything. Like we mimic each other's desires, yeah. right? And you know, that's how we social signal. And anyway, super interesting conversation here. One of the things as we were preparing that ag agenda that struck both David and I is it really feels like the internet is playing out in two acts, right? So like act one, you have back to your, your comment about like TCP IP and UDP and all these protocols. You had this communication technology this propagation layer for digital mimetic desires, right? So you have all of this internet culture that has been birthed since, you know, the 90s, 1990s, right? And now with this second act of the internet, which is kind of act two, the crypto act, we've invented this thing, the scarcity technology, this like digital scarcity technology. And now we can assign value to all of that culture, all that mimetic desire that's been pent up, we can actually like assign value to those things and trade them in DeFi markets and coordinate capital around them with all these tools we've created. So what's super striking to me is like, you take the Edward Snowden piece, you take the Doge uh, piece. These are original artifacts of the act one of the internet that now crypto is bringing into like digital scarcity into this second act. And so like, well, it may seem sort of weird and bizarre and far-fetched for somebody like Mechanism Capital to be like, we're just investing in culture. Oh my God, how much internet culture have we created over the past 20 years that hasn't yet been monetized? And that's what's so interesting about what you guys are doing with, with the Pleaser DAO. Um, you know, any thoughts on that? Is that sort of... Yeah, I mean, I think that that plays in like, you know, I think people underestimate how much blockchain history will play into our digital lives and our daily lives. Like I was in a funny tweet thread with Larry Cermak and Matthew Graham from Sino Global and, and I just posted my DGEN score and they both were like, can we interview you? You know, I don't need it. <laughs> like, uh, and it's like, you know, you're going to be... Going, you're going to be doing away with credit scores in the social realm. You're likely going to be doing away with follower counts. You might be doing away with resumes. Um, the proof will be on blockchain of what you've done. I mean, that's why I followed Leighton Cusack's tweets because I was like, I have these exclusive rights to participate in this event, this real world event, because of my on-chain history. I have the ability to interview with some of the best minds in crypto because I have a high degen score. Um, and I think the NFTs will largely be, you know, both digital and uh, meat space uh, access entities. Uh, someone tweeted, can you imagine trying to raise money from VCs for an NFT project and you don't own a CryptoPunk? Like at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people who are not into NFTs are like, why does that, you know, why does that matter if it, I can just copy paste it? And it's like, that is like, all they want to know is the provable history of your life that you are actually that you're about that life. That you're about that life, exactly. And, uh, you know, PleaserDAO definitely wants to integrate that as well. We want to have a real world component. We want to throw events worldwide. Uh, you know, we want to have PleaserCon after DevCon or before where it's kind of contingent on these on these digital historical records. You see friends with benefits um, and all these Discord gated communities where you can verify on chain if you have an NFT or if you have a certain number of tokens. And I think we're in the very nascent stages of that playing out. And I believe NFTs will play a big role in that. This is what I think uh, bankless listeners should prepare themselves for. Crypto crypto natives is is what we call them uh, you know, on the platform is like your on-chain history, your DGEN score, that is your new resume. Like what DAOs you are a part of, where you've worked, your reputation, like that's going to be part of how you are evaluated in this new ecosystem. And if if you guys have listened to our Josh Rosenthal episode where we talked about the, the new Medici, this new crypto renaissance that is uh, upon us, this is how you become part of the new mm -hmm. Medici class, right? You have to like level up your scores. You have to participate. It's not a passive thing. It's If you want to participate by only owning Bitcoin, and ether, cool. 
that's great. Like that's the passive life. But if you want to really dive deep down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. into this space, like go join a DAO, go buy yeah. an NFT, go be part of the bidding process, go figure out how to use all of these DeFi protocols. If you can't afford it on main chain, go do it in Polygon, right? right? Like this is a very active thing that we are a part of in a big movement. I think early adopters, as with buying Bitcoin and Ether in the early days, early adopters that are getting experience in how to coordinate capital will be the um, the vanguard of, of the future. And uh, I think that's what you're talking about here, Jameis, is like, this is a whole new paradigm shift in how we evaluate talent opportunity and really like, jobs and it's going to affect everything that we do just to to add on to that but before i throw it back to you Jameis, there's like a certain amount of desirability of having like a large on-chain footprint right if you just you were the average DeFi user throughout 2018 and 2019 you got over like 40 to sixty thousand dollars worth of airdrops if you just use the average protocols and and what a degen score uh it, what that really is is it's just measuring the magnitude of your on-chain footprint like how much surface area has your specific ethereum address touched in all of DeFi? have you touched every single contract on ethereum well then you have a DeFi degen score of like one you are the most degen person ever uh and like to some degree that's that's your experience that's like what you have done and having that instantiated on chain is, is a useful thing to prove to other people that you are like i said about that life totally could not agree more it's like a play instead of pay to play it's going to be play play and earn mm-hmm um, I think largely in the future, we're going to have much more of a gamified digital life. Even social will be more gamified. And um, yeah, I mean, you see it play out with like even Wall Street bets, everyone's becoming finance native. And I think that as fin- the financial system gets more digitized, it's just going to play a part in everyone's daily lives a lot more. So. James, one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on is to hear about what's going on in the world of NFTs as it's kind of going through its first, like, uh, you know, quiet period, right? It's kind of gone, it's gotten a lot quieter. There's a lot less going on. We still have some of these big name NFTs coming out, like Doge, that kind of, you know, gets to grab some headlines, but no longer. Jay-Z's did something, right? Like Jay- last week? Jay-Z, Jay-Z okay, released so something. Stuff's still happening. Stuff's bit. still happening, but like, there's a lot of like very big things that are happening, but like the basal level of just like, there's no more. Or like CryptoPunk forks. There's a, it's, it's quiet time in, in NFT land. What's getting built? So like I was paying attention to NFTs while it was going through its, its hype mania, but like now that it's kind of quiet, quieted down, I've stopped paying attention to it so much. What's going on behind the scenes? Like who's building what? Well, what's the competition for, like? What's going on? First off, first off, it's not an NFT bear market if you yeah. have a board, board Ape Yacht Club. That's, that's true. Uh, board Apes are the bull market inside of the, inside of the, inside of the NFT. Yeah. Right now, um, sure. That was a very fun project and has, it's, I think they're doing big things. Uh, and CryptoPunks have seen like a, I think I think their floor just rose by like five ETH, mm-hmm. um, probably largely from Jay-Z changing his profile picture to a CryptoPunk. Uh, pretty, that's pretty dope. That's pretty not dope. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think that projects will continue to, you know, iterate on the base layer of innovation, whether that's through like integration with DeFi or even just further decentralization. Uh, I think there's some problems of standards. Like if you mint on one platform, it doesn't interact with another platform so seamlessly. Um, I, I like what Universe is doing where they're basically giving creators the capacity to build a DAO around their NFT projects. Um, you know, I think it's hard to predict what's going to happen in terms of like the innovations within specifically the non-fungible spec, because like that's, it's an entire universe of right. ideas. Well, uh, but what like, about on the, usability, the, like, the issuance layer, like the, the foundations, the rareables, the, the, the places where people go to, to produce an NFT. Have you, have you seen sort of any innovation or progress or development in that uh, realm? Yeah. I mean, largely they're just building out features to integrate like DAOs as first class citizens. They want to have more of a social component. Um, they want to drive traffic to their entity in a way where people can interact with one another. I think that there's a lot of infrastructure being built that people don't know about. Like, you know, um, I don't want to give, well, like uh, NFT encryption protocols will probably be coming online. And that's going to be like a base layer for allowing an entire world of renting out IP. Um, you know, you can issue a decryption key and you can revoke a decryption key and I could sell or I could rent out my piece to a museum in 
Buenos Aires for the weekend or something. Um, and, you know, IP, real world IP, bringing that on chain is something that's that's pretty heavy and is still a work in progress. But I think that components like NFT encryption, um, I think uh, you're going to see one thing that at least I personally am very bullish on is the combination of L2s with NFTs and, and DeFi. Uh, I don't know if anyone's played the game Comeeth, where you can literally play a game and earn money and your spaceship is a NFT. Um, I think is we're going to see- layer two? It is on, it's on Polygon. Um, it's kind of an old game. I'm not sure what they're doing now, but- um, I think like I, I personally would like to see a lot of projects interface with other projects. Like I don't understand why no one's made a Magic the Gathering with CryptoPunks and their attributes. Um, I would like to see more ecosystem building. You know, it's an open system. So why not build on top of other projects? Um, I mean, I think another wave that is coming that will maybe be done poorly initially, but will really, really begin to show that these are these NFTs are not going away uh, is just mainstream coming online. I know that all of these big web 2.0 companies are trying to figure out how they can access the NFT industry. Um, I mean, you saw Jack Dorsey yesterday, Todd was on a Twitter spaces with Jay-Z talking about how Tidal is going to integrate NFTs. Um, yeah, that's kind of uh, my high level thinking of where the space is going. I think NFTs will be a huge media play. I, I think people are underestimating how much we're going to pull in. You know, we always talk about DeFi pulling in these financial institutions, but what about NFTs pulling in media corporations? I think that wave is absolutely coming. It may look a little weird at first and hopefully everything integrates seamlessly across multiple platforms um yeah do, do you have any ideas what the next like big catalysts are going to be right so like um you have layer two um maybe maybe the ux needs to improve um this sort of thing but like it felt like over you know in in the winter uh, time just nfts absolutely blew up and it, wa it wasn't really clear what the catalyst was but maybe there was a catalyst. And when, when do you think we'll see the next kind of mainstream moment for NFTs? It, it feels like, as David was saying, we, we saw this mainstream move, moment. Things have kind of died down. What's What things should we look for before seeing kind of the next big jolt into, uh, into NFTs and it breaking into mainstream conscience? I mean... I'm not entirely convinced we're in a bear market. I think it might just be more reflective of the price of Ethereum. Uh, you know, every auction that we look at, it's basically like, well, the market's crap, so we probably won't have very many competitors. Um, I think that, you know, with 1559 and the merge and um, ideally this bull market not being over, that is a very simple catalyst to people wanting to play more. But Interesting. I think, so you, uh, you, know, you think the basic economics of DeFi and Ether play directly into, into NFTs? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Definitely. Because people don't have, a lot of these projects cater to people who are in the ecosystem already. And if you don't have expendable income, if you, you know, you're a trader and you were long ETH and now you're down a bit, you're probably more tightly strapped for cash. Mm. Um, I think they're, they're very, very interconnected. I think, um, let's go on somewhere with that. Can't remember. Sorry to, sorry to kill your train of thought. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Uh, I think, yeah, I, I, getting back to like the compression cycle of technological adoption, I think that from what I can tell, people have their heads down building. And by virtue of NFTs being, I don't want to say more simple than DeFi, um, but I, th I think that a lot of Web 2.0 programmers are coming into the space and able to spin up these systems faster. Like we just need a really killer social uh like portfolio viewer of our uh, nfts right like the, the major heavy lifting there is going to be web 2.0 and so I, I think that there is going to be a arc of you know heads down building but i think it will happen a lot more rapid than people believe and and uh, i think that that could be a major catalyst i'm very excited for a social component uh whether that's like you need an nft to purchase this set of clothing or you need to um your dgen score represents your follower count or you know or replaces your follower count i think that a huge catalyst could be social and uh, ideally a lot of these exist on l2 so we can get gen z involved and you know the only 18 year olds in the space won't just be rari capital and uh <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone in Gen Z is just like, I don't think that they're going to, a lot of them will not have the experience of even opening a bank account, right? Yeah. Like they're coming online very quickly. I, I think everyone here remembers, you know, we complain about how MetaMask is kind of hard to use and it's hard to learn these things. But I remember digging through Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows 98, not knowing what the hell was going on and 
having to learn all of these things before I could even use a computer. And I think that people don't understand how rapidly college students will be playing around these systems. Totally. Jameis, thank you for coming on the uh, Bankless State of the Nation to tell us what you are seeing in the world of NFTs and DAOs. And Pleaser DAO, I think, is a really great just test to see what we really can get done when some of the brightest minds come and, and put some power and some oomph behind both NFTs and DAOs and, and sees what happens. So I, I, of course, have my eye on Pleaser DAO with what you guys are building there. Um, and so if, if anyone wants to find out, I, you, you shouted out some, some, uh, some uh, tw Twitter profiles earlier in the show, but if people want to find out more about Pleaser DAO, where should they go? I mean, there's the Pleaser DAO Twitter and Pleaser, the second E, there's no E. So Pleaser DAO Twitter, um, there's Pleaser.org. You can check us out on Foundation and Zora. Uh, we have some donated items in our foundation portfolio, so it's a little bit, uh, we got to get those cleaned up. <laughs> um, you can always reach out to me at, uh, on my Twitter at underscore J-A-M-I-I-S. And we are absolutely, I think our next step is going to be something very, very big with Doge. Um, you know, Doge backed by Real Doge, Proof of Doge Network. So if you, if you want to participate, help us out, uh, get a foot in the door of the DAO. We're trying to build a community. Uh, just DM us Doge at my Twitter or Pleaser DAO's Twitter. Guys, I think we are in the early stages of a DAO's. We are in the early stages of crypto culture, internet culture. Pleaser DAO is going to be part of that. Get involved somehow. Keep your eye on the space. It's going to be huge. Of course, risks and disclaimers. ETH is risky. None of this was financial advice. Bitcoin is too. So are NFTs. Prices go up and down. All of crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills. 